Welcome back to the Game Chat Podcast, special Saturday edition, Saturday, January 27th. I'm joined by none other than the NBA analyst Game Chat for the Game Chat, Shane Berenger. Shane, welcome on. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been a full halfway through the season, just about, and we're just doing our first pod, so we got a lot to cover. Can't wait to get into well, it. Well, second one. We did a preview one. That's true. So, yes, this is the first check-in. It's about the time where... I would call the the NBA casual fans, the more casual fans, start start tuning in here. It's when the midweek stuff for the NFL has has gone away, and uh, it's basketball time. So yeah, this is it's honestly kind of nice. You jump in halfway through the season, you got a lot of stuff figured out, but I do think this is a good time for you to catch us up on on everything going on. So yeah, luckily there's been a lot this week in particular has been a crazy week. Uh, I guess we can just hop right into it. Um, Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic posting 70-point games within four days of each other. Yep. There are, I think, there's only nine players in the history of the NBA that have scored 70 points, um, and two of them came this week. Um, so just an incredible season by Embiid and Luka so far. But uh, I think I think the topic of conversation is, is Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, he's been carrying the Sixers all year. Um he, I believe he's made the most two-point jump shots in the entire league this year. Like, if you, if you watch some Sixers games, you'll just, anytime he pulls up from the elbow or from the wing, it's just, you're surprised when it doesn't go in. That's yeah. how good he is and efficient he is this year. Um, it's just been a really, really fun fun time to watch him beat. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a much different Sixers team, right? Like, you have uh, no Harden like there was last year, no Doc Rivers like there was last year, and... Uh, or the last couple of years, honestly, with with Embiid and uh, Maxi being promoted to the number two, and I think a lot of the questions are like, obviously, we know Embiid's a great player. I mean, what was it, an MVP last year and back to back second place MVPs behind Jokic? Yep. So I don't really think like seventy points, honestly, like for Luca and him, didn't surprise me too much. Like those two, I actually think, honestly, major props to Bill Simmons. He was like. After Embiid scored, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, he tweeted, he's like, Luca's you know, next. Yeah, he was like, who's the next? I think Luca's like a minus, minus 500 favorite. It's like mm-hmm. Four days later, he does it. But I think yeah. the real question for the for the Sixers and mostly Embiid is like, honestly, this, like 70 points is crazy. Great. He, he might win another MVP. It doesn't matter until they make the playoffs and, and what mm-hmm. they do in the playoffs. So do you think this team is poised for a better playoff run than they have been in the past? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think it, it starts with Joel Embiid. He, he not only is playing more effectively this year, he, he's just playing a little bit more, I wouldn't say loose, but I, I feel like he, he has a better understanding of the game this year than he has in previous years. He's playing with a little more maturity. And maybe that's because Tyrese Maxey has really come into his own and kind of not taken the load off of Embiid because Embiid is still getting high usage. But I think they're playing with pace and space. Like Tyrese Maxey really, really pushes the ball up the floor, has a lot of good energy. Um, and another thing that Tyrese Maxey brings to the table is I've heard he's an amazing off-court teammate, hmm. and people really like to be around him and just the the joy in the locker room and the Sixers have been good. Um, and Nick Nurse has done a really good job with that team, and they're playing really well right now. Um, now, Joel Embiid has had some playoff blunders, and it, mostly part – because he's been injured and hasn't made it healthy to the playoffs to the end of the, to the end of the year. So 
if he can be healthy, I think there's no reason that the Sixers don't make it to the conference finals. Like, there's just a lot of talented teams in the East. I, I think the Celtics are incredibly talented, but I think the Sixers are, are this year are, are right in contention for it. And they have more moves to make. Like, they have some expiring contracts on their books. Um, they have some pieces they can move. So I, I think they're a team to watch out for before the trade deadline. Yeah, I think that that was kind of my next question was like, what? Because the Sixers team is not, especially when you look at the Celtics and honestly, like even the Heat, the team that's been there the past couple of years and the Bucks, like Maxi and Embiid is a great one-two punch, like up there for one of the best in the league. But mm-hmm. I mean, Tobias Harris is your three. He hasn't been great down the stretch and in the playoffs, especially the past couple of years. And like their fourth and fifth guy in minutes are DeAnthony Melton and Kelly Oubre Jr. Like mm-hmm. you said, this team has moves to make. What do you think it is for, for the Sixers team? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think, um, personally, I'd like to have another person who can handle the ball because Maxi, as good as he has been this year, is still a really young player and hasn't taken the lumps of being the number two option in a playoff series. And I feel like that's way different than the regular season because they just key up on you on defense and they just give you all these crazy traps and looks. Um, so coming into the playoffs, it would be nice to have another ball handler. Um, and also, it, it would be nice to have another ball stopper um, because I, I think Embiid is so good offensively that I don't think they're going to be out of any game offensively. I think defensively they they could you know use another wing because Kelly Oubre is pretty good. He brings the defense. Uh, Nick Batum is a little old, and to be honest, he's been shooting really well this year. But I don't know if I trust him come playoff time. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know what move they're going to make. They could make a big swing at Zach Levine because they have the cap space. Yeah. Or they also could make a, a smaller swing at like a, I don't know, like an Alex Caruso type um, or just an on-ball defender who can handle the ball a little bit. Yeah, I think I think that probably there there needs to be some other move, especially if they're going for it. And yeah, I mean the Celtics do look look pretty good, but we've seen them have playoff blunders in the past, like yeah. losing to the to the Heat last year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the Sixers are definitely in a in a better spot this year than they have been uh in years past. And yeah, Maxi taking that jump um has 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 been key for that for sure. Um Embiid yeah. is the the MVP favorite. Um it's him and Jokic again uh for like the fourth straight year in a row, third straight year in a row. Um I mean, do you see like it, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that on the MVP race? I do, yeah. Um so at the end, of, at the beginning of this year, at the end of last year, they implemented a minimum game restriction to be eligible for all NBA and NBA awards, um, and you have to play sixty-five out of the eighty-two games to be eligible for all NBA honors and MVP and Comeback Player of the Year and all that stuff. Embiid's on pace to not hit that sixty-five game mark. He can only miss like seven or eight games the rest of the season, yeah. and. He's playing well enough. He's playing better than he did last year when he won the MVP. And he does he like if the season ended today, I would give him the MVP. He's been playing lights out. But thinking about if, if he's going to play the four like thirty five more games this season and only miss seven, like that's going to bang up his body a little bit, and he might not be as focused come playoff time or healthy come playoff time. Because I think the Sixers are going to really have to make a decision: do they want Embiid to be really healthy? Or do they want him to get another MVP and establish yeah. himself as a two-time MVP in this league? 
Yeah, I mean, he's 36 points per game is is unbelievable, but he's noticeably less. Like at 33 games played, as we stand right now, is noticeably yeah. less than like Giannis is 10 games more played than him. Uh, mm-hmm. Shea's 11 more games played than him. So yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting. I if if Embiid doesn't, do you think it's Jokic? Probably, yeah. I I also think it's going to be a really interesting conversation down the stretch of the of the season this year because if he plays 63 games and is averaging 37 points a game, 12 rebounds and 6 assists, like there's going to be a riot. Like he played, he missed it by two games, and you're not going to give it to him. I, I think it's going to be a definitely a discourse uh, in the NBA media at the end yeah. of the season. Um, all right, I think it's time for you. We, we were we were hanging out. Was it last weekend? It feels like it feels like a long yeah. time ago. But yeah, last weekend, um, and we were talking about this pod, and you told me, Jack, I need a good solid segment for me to rant on Draymond Green. Uh, so I figured this is a good time. It it would have led the pod if there wasn't you know two seventy point games in the past week. So um, the the Golden State Warriors are currently nineteen and twenty three. They're the tenth or the twelfth seed, excuse me, in the Western Conference. So a solid two games behind the Utah Jazz to even make the play in game. Uh, yeah, let's give us give us a little Draymond Green. Yeah. Um... I honestly kind of want to start with the Warriors overall. I think that the the entire organization, the entire team, um, has kind of been a little shaky ever since the punch last year. Yeah, like the 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 vibes have been off in the locker room. Steve Kerr seems cranky and a little on edge. Like the other day, um, a couple of weeks ago, he the the Nuggets beat them, and he was talking about how Jokic has drawn all these fouls and playing the game the wrong way, and that's not the a great thing to talk about the best player in your league doing, even though he doesn't do that. And be, or uh, Jokic doesn't really hunt fouls. He's he plays the game the right way and smart. I, I think there's a lot of tension in that locker room, and I think the main reason of it is because it stems from Draymond because he has played with for that organization, given his blood, sweat, and tears into that organization. He deserves all the credit he gets. That's for sure. However, in recent years, when his play on the court hasn't held up to the standards that he holds himself to. He gets frustrated and starts lashing out, uh, like we saw in the playoffs last year, stomping on Damanis Sabonis' chest. Um, and this year he choked out Stephen Adam, or who was it? Uh, Rudy Gobert. So he choked out Rudy Gobert, and then we all know what happened. Um, with the most recent punch and the suspension, um, it was just a really it's troubling for the Warriors franchise. Like they're one of the biggest franchises the NBA has. They have one of the best players of all time on their team, Steph Curry, who has, he's been playing like he's stuck on an Island and he doesn't seem like he has much help this year. Um, the team is underperforming and I don't know where they go from here. Like it's, it's tough because with the Warriors, you have to think about, we've won four titles with this core of clay Draymond and Steph. Right. What What's their next move? Do they do they blow it up? Do they get rid of Draymond, like send him somewhere else because their chemistry is obviously shot? Clay is underperforming and a little bit underwhelming this year. Uh, I just what, what do you have on the? Yeah, the I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. Like Clay's almost 34. Steph's 35. They, they brought in Chris Paul, the 38 year old this year to yeah. to kind of be like a new spark. Um, 
and then yeah, I mean everything about Draymond for sure, and 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 Wiggins, yeah, has just not been good. So I don't know. I I think like the 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 GM side of me that like wants to say, you know, you have to make a bunch of big moves and blow it all up or whatever, but I don't think they do, especially for Clay, because because Steph's not really like you said, Steph's not the question right now. Like right, he's he's still. I mean, he's 27 points per game. Like, he's still Steph Curry, and he he will be as long as he's playing, I feel like. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. So with Clay as the the bigger question, it's almost like I I feel like they just – they keep him out of respect for for who Clay is and what he's done for Golden State. Um, I don't know. I – I think probably in the off season we see a, maybe some moves. I don't. I don't know what Clay or Wiggins' contract situation is, but I. I think it. I don't know. And I. I like Chris Paul was never the answer, and he's. So. so I don't know. I think this team is probably just gonna be like, yeah, it's it's a loss. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. They they've had really poor drafts the last couple of years. Yeah. Like missing out on uh, why they draft Wiseman, missing out on ball or Halliburton yep. they could have drafted um they yeah, just I mean, had a handful of bad picks yeah you have like Kaminga's a bright spot I, I think they're probably glad they didn't trade him um yeah like a couple years ago or even last year like when those rumors were thrown around and yeah I think it's probably just time to reset um yeah I, I think if I think they would trade uh Draymond before they trade for sure Clay. um I, I think Wiggins and, and Draymond are would be the people that I would be trying to move because I as much as Draymond had like kind of tarnished his resume with his past six months, I do think that there are teams out there that still value him because he is a vocal leader. He does play with a certain amount of force on the court. Um and he's a really good passer and a, like a really steady offensive and defensive player. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if I'd want him on my team based on how he played, <laughs> right. but a team like the Pistons or someone who needs a veteran that can actually harp on the young guys who don't know what they're doing, I, I think that could be valuable um, going forward. But with the Warriors, their season doesn't look like it's going to go yeah. anywhere. And I, I honestly would be surprised if they make it into the playoffs. Like if, if they are a nine seed and then they make and they win the play-in, I would be... I wouldn't be shocked, but I I would be. I would be also surprised. wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if they missed yeah. the play. Yeah. So, all right. I think uh, next we should go to the NBA trade deadline. We've talked even a little bit already about uh, possible trades. I, I will say, Shane, I think I think the one mistake that the NBA has, not the one mistake, one of the mistakes that the NBA has, is the trade deadline for the NBA is one of the most interesting. It's probably the most interesting trade deadline out of the three major sports. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so it, it it doesn't make too much sense to me that like this year the, the trade deadline is February eighth, which is like three days before the Super Bowl. I feel like if they put it the week after, it would get so much more attention from the media because yeah. the the NFL really does own the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. That's why they have it two weeks. Like yeah. that week before the Super Bowl is all the media, and like the NFL honors are that week too. So. I don't know. That's just my little thing. Like, wh- why can't you push it back one more week? It would be, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I think they always like to do it around the two-third mark of the season. No, for like, sure. For sure. the two-third mark. And, and I get that totally. But uh, you also have to 
they're trying to compete for to get their numbers up um, during that time because it is so dominated by the NFL. Right. Like that, they see that as like the the two week period where they can kind of yeah latch out and get their their stories out. But there's a lot of big names, or not a lot of big names, but there's a lot of interesting moves to be made um, at this trade deadline because there's a lot of teams that are are buyers and there's not a lot of sellers. Um, and one of the one of the people I wanted to just chat about, um, one of our hometown guys, um, Zach Levine, a Bothell High School graduate. He requested a trade a, a month and a half ago, two months ago, um, and he got hurt a little bit, um, and his team started playing better, which actually hurt some of his trade value. For sure, which is combined with he's making forty-seven million dollars this year, forty-eight million dollars next year, and fifty the next two, um, or maybe just it's a three. He has three or something on his deal, but I think it's the first making, of his four. Oh, his four. Okay, yeah, he is signed a super max contract and his his level of play on the court um doesn't quite match up to his value of his contract um he is a little bit of a defensive liability and but offensively he's super gifted super athletic can shoot the lights out of the ball um can put the ball on the floor can pass a little bit um i've never seen him on a really good basketball team and i think that's the the thing that nba front office people are thinking about like someone like the Sixers, like, <clears throat> like I said, they need another ball handler. Like Zach Levine would be an offensive spark for them. Now they might lose a little bit defensively, um, might change their identity a little bit, but it would still be a plus on offense. Um, where do you, where do you think Zach could go? What, what do you, what do you think his value is in this league right now? Yeah. I mean, not only the injury too, but he's like, he's having his like worst offensive season, um, since like his first or second year on Chicago. I mean, his field goals percentage is down, three-point percentage is down, points are, and he's not even averaging 20 points a game. Uh, right. In the past year, he's been like, like the past four years, he was 25, 24, 27, 25, and he's 19.5 this this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's not only not only is he hurt, defensive liability, the contract, but, but he's also just not playing as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he's definitely... Um, it definitely regressed, and the Sixers have been kind of the name that's thrown around. I think KOC said like that's his dream fit um, for Levine, which which makes sense. Um, yeah, but yeah i I don't I don't know what that move is for the Sixers. Um, yeah, I I don't see it making a lot of sense going to that to the Sixers. I, I think <clears throat> the Sixers can get more out of their team with someone else, right? Um, who just fits a little bit better. I think for Zach, I think a team that. Now this doesn't sound very awesome for him, but like someone like the not not the Pacers, but the uh, the Pistons. The Pistons or, is one of the names I've heard. Or Hornets, too. or one of these teams that have the ability to take on this this cap um, from his contract, and also just have an asset of Zach Levine and kind of let him grow his trade value because his his value is pretty low right now. And I think you can get the Bulls want to get players back. But I think at a certain point they're going to realize that there's not a lot of teams that want to trade players one for one with Zach yeah. Levine. His contract is yeah. just an, so. I think one of the other teams I'll throw out there is the Lakers. Yeah, um, I think he'd he'd clear like he'd be the third guy on the on the Sixers too. But um, again, he'd be the clear third guy mm-hmm. uh, on that on that team. But it's a little bit more like I don't know with uh, with LeBron and AD like. I feel like you get like that, that would make 
Levine a little bit more like catch and shoot type of mm-hmm. guy, which I think that's probably his role now going forward. Like he had a few years where he was kind of the main creator and main scorer on that Bulls team. But mm-hmm. um, I think that would like with having two guys in LeBron and AD who are driving like attention into the middle um, mm-hmm. compared to like where Maxi and Embiid are like, it, like Embiid obviously draws a ton of attention, but Maxi's more on the outside. Um, I don't know. I, I like that fit. Yeah. Um, for him to go with the Lakers. Yeah, and speaking of the Lakers, um, the next person I have on this list um, would probably be the the piece that they would move off yeah. of to get to get an asset like Zach um, D'Angelo Russell. He, I, I feel bad for him, honestly. Like <laughs> that man is, been, um, yeah. Ever since he's been on the Lakers, he's just been in trade rumors because <clears throat> he's a good player, but he doesn't. <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't always play up to his ability. Um, sometimes he'll turn the ball over. He makes good passes. Sometimes he catches fire and hits some hits some great shots, yeah. but he doesn't quite do enough on a consistent basis to justify. Um, well, not not to justify, but for the Lakers to justify, you know, being content with their roster. Because when they're what are they twenty three and twenty four, twenty two and twenty three right yeah, now? I mean, and that's where they've been the past couple of years. Like they just kind of hang right. around the middle. Yeah, yeah, and then. Last trade deadline, they make the move, and then they start winning. And I think Rob Palenka and the Lakers are going to try to do something very similar to that this year, but I don't know what the move is. And D'Angelo Russell's played really well the last five, six games. Um, now, the Lakers haven't been rolling quite yet, but um, they're a really interesting team too, man. Like the, the Warriors and the Lakers have gotten a lot of talk this early after the season because they've both kind of underperformed. Um, the story around the Lakers is a little bit different than the Warriors in that Dream or not Draymond, Anthony Davis and LeBron have both played a lot of games yeah. for the and they've been pretty healthy. Um those two have. Their their role players haven't quite been as healthy, so they haven't gotten to solidify a, a starting five and a really good rotation. But if if you're a championship aspirations team and you're sitting at the tenth spot right now, like that's not somewhere where you want to be. Yeah, and I yeah, I think I, I think I hmm, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Like, they they definitely like D'Lo has been circulating in all the rumors, and so it. I think it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I I just don't think he has a ton of value. Yeah. Um. So a lot of the moves that are potential moves for D'Angelo Russell are going to be like pretty lateral moves. Yeah. Like the ones that the, all the rumors that are circulating are like Brogdon, Dinwiddie, like guys who DeJounte are Dante Murray. Yeah, DeJounte, I think, is a little bit better. Like, that was the next name I was going to bring up is, like... Yeah. But I, but I think... I, I know they'd been talking earlier in the season, and, like, that just seems like a... That's, like, you're going to have to throw in some a, a lot of other things to get Murray back from the Hawks. Or maybe not a ton more, but, like, it, it, that is... That's the dream, and I don't know if the Hawks yeah. are going to be like, yeah, like, why would we take a couple picks from you or... Like a couple worse, play- like Rui and Vanderbilt, or I don't know. Yep. Like, why would we take yep. a couple worse players and and give up on Murray that easily? Totally, yeah. No, I, I agree. the The only real asset the Lakers have is their twenty twenty nine first round pick, right? Because that's, I mean, and that's a juicy pick. That's one of the best picks, you know, in in the league right now, just because of the uncertainty with LeBron's future. Looking at how like dysfunctional I don't know if it's the word but underperforming would be the word I would be using for the Lakers to describe their season this year and because they always have such high expectations but they also you know haven't been playing super well so there's 
there's both sides to that coin. Um, I like the next player that you brought up um, mm -hmm. on the Charlotte Hornets, Miles Bridges. Um, didn't play at all last year. Um, kind of had that weird thing where he like he sat out, right, or something. I don't know. I, oh, it was domestic violence. Yeah, yeah no, that's, he, he yeah. definitely. It's definitely a, a a tough scene to like just see him in the NBA. Like he, he did some pretty brutal stuff. Yeah. Um, but we're not here to, t to no, talk about no. that. Um, he is a he's been playing a little bit better this year. He isn't quite back to where he was when he uh, two years ago. Um, he was a really really solid player a couple years ago. Um, and he's has a lot of high upside just because he is athletic. He's still young. He can shoot the ball, and he's a big wing and who can defend decently well. Um, have you heard any intel on on Miles Bridges? No, and I I mean he he definitely fits the the like. I don't know what what a trade deadline candidate looks like, right? Like he's a twenty point per game scorer, he plays good defense on a really bad team, and he's yeah. probably not. I don't know. I think the Hornets are in a situation where they probably are just like, yeah, this we're we're constantly in a rebuild, and yeah. this guy is probably a guy that we missed our window on. Um, so yeah, getting something from him would would probably be the the right move i don't know that the 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 rumors are like i'm looking at this one article says suns pistons and jazz interested in yeah. miles bridges and like okay cool i i don't know i think i think phoenix is, is the name that i've heard the most um now I, he, he'd help them like it's obvious they need another right. help, another player like grayson allen has been really good for the suns but i think they need someone else too um, if they're really going to compete in the West, but yeah, and the Suns are yeah. Suns are one of those weird teams where, like, again, what do they, what are they going to offer? Like, I don't know. They, yeah, they, they, they they're pretty they're pretty constrained because of how much they put on the table for Beal and, and Durant. So, and they're already they're, struggling for depth. So, like, giving up more of that depth for another player, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard, man. And then the next two guys we have listed here, Gordon Hayward and Malcolm Brogdon, both veteran players that uh, definitely could be buyouts, def probably not buyouts, but could be traded for a good veteran team that, that, that needs to pick up another ball handler, a guy who can shoot. Um, I think the team that I like for Brogdon is the Knicks. Knicks, um, yeah. They just give up quickly to get OG and Anobi, which we're, we're going to talk about the Knicks later, but that's a team I really like. And um, Brogdon would fit that like guy behind, guy to come in when Brunson needs to sit, or mm -hmm. I, I, he could probably even play alongside of Brunson. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's the team I like, and I think the Knicks need to add some sort of piece uh, after they got rid of quickly, so... Yeah, I think uh, that's a, a great that's a great point. I, I think Brogdon would provide a little bit of Dante DiVincenzo assistance. Yeah, because Dante's he's is a pretty solid starting guard, but um, there's some nights when he just doesn't have it. And and Brogdon Brogdon just a really steady player, um, and he had some really solid minutes on the Celtics last couple of years. So he's played in big games. He's been there before. So pretty exciting stuff. Could be could be fun for Malcolm to get out of. Uh, to go to Portland because yeah. that doesn't seem like much fun over there. Um, all right. I think this could have also probably led the pod, um, which is why I, it's a, kind of a crime. We're only getting to this at like 28 minutes, but uh, the Bucks fire uh, Adrian Griffin, which is like honestly kind of wild for a team to fire a coach halfway through the season when you are second place in your conference. They're 31 and 14. 
they fire Griffin and then immediately go and get Doc Rivers, who obviously was fired by the Sixers and was (laughs) appearing on Bill Simmons podcast, uh, doing announcing for ESPN. And I, I texted you this right away, but like this just screams like they maybe wanted Doc in the off season and he didn't, he wasn't sure or, um, I don't know. They they knew what they were doing when they. I I think they probably got some sort of like verbal commitment from Doc, and then we're like, all right, let's pull the trigger. Yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting story. I, I was reading some articles this week to kind of get the actual inside scoop on what went down. It w- it was made pretty clear um, that when they hired Adrian Griffin, that he was you know going to be the coach, but he's a rookie head coach, right? So you need to bring in some veteran coaches, you know, to help fulfill some of that rookie, like rookie yeah. stuff that you have to go through in your first year. So they hired Terry Stotts and he ended up resigning before the start of the year yeah. because there was a little bit of clash, a little bit of tension. That's never a good sign. Um, and there were reports all season that, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year that Adrian Griffin changed the defensive system to kind of something similar that he ran in Toronto. Yeah. And, it didn't quite work. And then Giannis spoke out about it and was like, we need to coach better. We need to play better. We need our laundry people to do the laundry better. And just kind of calling out, there's a little bit of tension. Um, and I, I know a lot of people would look and point at, Oh, they're 30 and 13. Like, why would you fire your coach? Such a bad move. Didn't even give him a chance. I, I think that with a team with this much championship aspiration, and if you're going to go into it when in a third of the way through the season, you're, coach has already lost the locker room why would you go forward with it any longer why wouldn't you try to just get ahead of the problem on this season um and now doc doc rivers comes with a lot of baggage right like he's blown some 3-1 leads he hasn't been the most successful playoff coach but the one thing that he has done really well is he's been able to navigate stars in the nba and really connect with them because he was, you know, he is a big personality. He played in the NBA. His son plays in the NBA. You know, he's a big name guy. And I think that he commands respect from those players. And I think that is a good, a really necessary thing for, for the Bucks because it was pretty honest to me that Giannis didn't really trust Adrian Griffin. And if you lose a trust of your best player, then it's just really tough. Well, and I think you lost it with Dame, too, because Stotts was Dame's coach in, in Portland for a while. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big reason why they brought him in. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like you mentioned, like resigning before the season, I can't imagine that made Dame too happy either. And I, Yeah, and then I did want to touch on something you said um, a little bit ago about the, the offseason and what they were kind of thinking in the offseason. I mean, they fired Mike Budenholzer after they got bounced out of the first round last year, which I guess is understandable. But if I was Mike Budenholzer right now, I'd be super mad. Yeah. Like they, they fire their replacement. But the fact of the matter is, man, the Bucks have to win. They have to at least go to the second round, maybe go to the conference finals this year to like justify right. what they're doing. And we'll see how, how Doc uh, makes changes and adjustments to this lineup and maybe even just the rotations and stuff. But it's going to be interesting for, for the second half of the season with, with the Bucks, Yeah, for sure. But I do think, I, I and you wrote this down too, like this is a less controversial, more functional team than what he's been with in the past on the Sixers with Harden and the Clippers with all their mess. Like yeah. this is, yeah, this team has 
like more potential than than those teams to like function together and be a a team that comes together in the playoffs. Yeah, cuz he cuz Doc's walking into a system that has already been or or a group of guys who have already been together for long enough, right? Like Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis and Middleton have all really played together for a long time. Um, just adding Dame and yeah, they like there was a lot of a lot of talk around. No, no, duh, their defense is going to be bad. They lost Drew Holiday, and as much as that is true, Drew Holiday is a great defender, and and Dame is a horrible defender. That I, I understand that difference, but you shouldn't go from a top five defense to a bottom five defense yeah. in just one player swap like right. there should be Brooke Lopez is still one of the best room protectors and Giannis is probably the best defender in the league people don't really talk about that but he's so quick and like maybe not every night but he can be right yeah. he, he has the tools and the strength right but I don't know hopefully Doc can get their defense figured out because their offense is good this year well, that hasn't in, in the the Dame switch hasn't even been the problem. Like it, it is not their perimeter defense that suffered; it's their like paint defense that suffered. And like yeah. you mentioned, that just should not be the case when you have a defensive player, the two defensive player of the year candidates on your team. Like yeah, that yeah, sure. that that should not be the case. And 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 Holiday is a good defender. He is not what he used to be either. So right, like yeah, it this it was it was the right move to fire the coach. I think like. They, I, I, I like that better than just trying to suffer through the season and then another first round exit. Yeah, um, they kind of knew when they when they traded for Dame. This is why I'll give their organization a lot of credit. Like they traded for Dame to go all in, and yeah. you can't go, you you can't take a season and be like, oh, I guess we'll figure it out. Like hopefully we figure it out in the playoffs. When you do go yeah. all in, you have to go all in. So especially when you have a player like Giannis, right? Like right, and, and Dame, small market team. Like this is your window. Yes. You have to capitalize on it. Yes. Now. So that, I think that's a great point, and it's, it makes sense why they fired their coach. Um, we did this a few. I think we did it. We've, maybe we've done it every season, but I, I know we did it. Uh, we've done it before, where we kind of do like a circle of of team contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have like the inner circle of kind of the main contenders, and then the teams that are on the outside looking in. And so I want to just like. I kind of want to talk about ours and uh, I like looking at the, the betting odds for this too, to kind of see like what the, what the bet the you know, the odds makers think are the, the true contenders versus outside contenders. So who is your, who is your inner circle of contenders right now? Definitely. It has to be Boston. Yeah. I think Boston's played the best. Um, They're 20 and one at home. Yeah. um, 21. I mean, 35 and 10. Yeah. Yeah. They're a juggernaut. Like adding Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday is insane. Like Kristaps Porzingis just makes them stretch the floor so much, and Drew Holiday is like we were talking about, great defender. And they have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Their team is stacked. That, that's I don't even really need to get deep on that. Um, I think you have to get the Nuggets in there. Um, they haven't played to the to their standards. If they're holding them to their standards, they, how good they were last year. Um, I think they're developing their young guys. They're letting Peyton Watson, Christian Brown get a lot of good minutes. Um, and they still have Jokic, and they're starting five with KCP, Jamal Murray, uh, MPJ, and Aaron Gordon is still one of the best starting fives in the league. I would argue um, it's the best. Yeah, no, I, I think them and Boston are are really close on that starting five. Um, 
it's it's really really hard to beat those guys, um, especially when Jamal Murray's on fire and confident. Like they have a really really high upside, um, and I think they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs this year. It's going to be good. Um, a couple more teams. I think the Sixers are on my inner circle as well. Wow. And then for the other team in the West, I I, I don't I don't know, man. Like I I really want to say the Clippers. I think it's fair to say that they are in the conversation because of how well they've played this year. Kawhi looks like an MVP candidate. I don't know if he'll get there with, you know, all the counting stats and all that stuff, but just his impact on the game has been insane. He looks like almost prime Kawhi, like playing super good defense. He's shooting a lot more threes. He's shooting really high percentage of threes this year. Um, and the Clippers have looked great. The Thunder and the Timberwolves are the team that I'm a little – washy on those that team might those two might be on the outside looking in for me um yeah so my i would say my my inner circle is boston philly la clippers and the nuggets four teams so on on the on the at least on fan the betting odds for the the to win the championship um they would they probably have three on their inner circle um, so just based on like the odds and how they're spread out, Boston is the favorite at plus three hundred, Denver plus four thirty, and Milwaukee plus four eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the probably their those are their three clear contenders. So they would have Milwaukee in there. Yeah. Um, and then their outside looking in is five teams. Um, they have the Clippers are plus eight fifty. See, there's a pretty big jump from four eighty to eight fifty. Yeah. Uh, Sixers are plus eleven hundred. Um. So another jump there. That's that's one for Shane. Uh, you you like that? Um, yeah, just that, based no, that's on a good bet. where you are. Uh, the Suns they have it plus thirteen hundred, uh, and the Timberwolves plus eighteen hundred, and Oklahoma City nineteen hundred. So those would yeah. be their two teams on, on the outside looking in. Uh, even though like Oklahoma City and uh, Minnesota are tied at top of the West at thirty two and thirteen, um, Thunder have won five in a row. But those two, uh, it seems like the odds makers are on your side. Just saying like, yeah, we don't really know yet. Yeah, it's really tough. Like, I could easily include the Bucks in my inner circle just because of the Giannis prestige that he has and holds. Um, But I'm going to have to kind of see it um, with this new group and this new coaching staff. I want to give it some time to kind of play itself into into the conversation. Um, I think another... I don't think this is a team with title aspirations, but I think this is a team that'll make some noise. I, I think the Knicks, I know we're going to get to them, but since they traded for OG, man, they, they have looked awesome. Yeah. They have 10 and two or something in their last 12 games. And it's just been a Cinderella story. It's awesome. Yeah. They deserve the the mention for sure. I think if I'm honestly saying, if I'm making like my circle, I really right now only would have Boston and Denver in the middle yeah i think yeah i think there's still some like i i don't know i think until those two teams prove me prove otherwise they are the top two for me no that's super fair man like the clippers you're so scared about like i'm nervous picking them and the sixers and the sixers sixers super nervous picking them as well um so yeah it's gonna be a really fun second half of the year because it's a little wide open right like even Denver looks a little shaky. We're just giving them the benefit of the doubt because right. we've seen it before, right? So that's just something we got to think about as well. Um, all right, you wanted to touch on a little bit of 
uh, new era versus old era. And we've kind of touched on this as we've gone through the pod, uh, the Warriors and Lakers, like on the decline, and then obviously talking just about the Thunder and the Wolves yeah. um, playing so well. Uh, what? Let's touch on the Thunder and, and the Timberwolves right now because we're we're yeah. gonna like we're we're talking about a couple of teams earlier that are in a little bit that we wanted to talk about. Um, but I, and these two teams were like on there for me, and then I was like, oh, we're talking about them a little bit earlier. So let's touch on the the Thunder and the Timberwolves specifically. Totally, yeah. I, the reason I really wanted to touch on this new era versus old era thing is because this year I think I think has really separated from I think. Jack and I are in a really interesting age of the NBA. We got to see the last half of Kobe's career. We got to see a lot of LeBron's career. Um, and then Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, all these guys that were just the studs when we were growing up. They're finally on the downturn of their of their careers. And here are these new stars like Shea Gilders Alexander. And there's just a list that just goes on like De'Aaron Fox, Anthony Edwards. Everyone is just so good and talented and it's highlighted this year by the Thunder and the Timberwolves being number one and number two seed in the Western Conference. Like that is a shift. And when you look down at the bottom and you see the the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers in the nine and twelve seed in the Western Conference, like it's it's just a, a, a shock a little bit to see these teams that we were used to seeing at the bottom of the standings and it's completely flipped. Um, and it's nice to see these young stars come out into fruition and I really hope that People who are more casual fans, I know a lot of us have uh, casual basketball fans because Seattle doesn't have an NBA team. I think it'd be awesome for these SGAs of the world, Anthony Edwards of the world, to just take the league by storm. And I think I think the league's in good hands. Yeah, I remember when we did our like restart draft last year, um, my cousin Luke picked SGA in the first round. Uh, like I think at like six or seventh overall or something like that, and I remember like, oh, that might be. And now I'm like, yep, that's a great pick. Like, great pick, Luke. He is like, oh, he's 31 points a game right now. Um, I, I think one of the things, like looking at the Thunder specifically, um, I, I really like to see their their top five guys in minutes have all played over 40 games. Uh, yeah, which is which is awesome. And like Chet Holmgren is healthy. Like he's playing. I mean that whole the, the waiting on him. Has has paid off because he looks really really good. Defensive um, player of the year candidate. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. I think there's still, and this was the conversation we were having with them last year. Like they're still short a couple players. Um, like are I, they, dude? They have one of the best winning percentages in the league. No, I like, think so, but I don't. I think come playoff time, they're going to be short a couple players. Yeah, I I don't know I, if I trust Carson Wallace and Isaiah Joe to be the the sixth and seventh guys on this team. Yeah, no, I hear you. I think um, the only thing that I would add to that team right now is another body on like a big body. Like, um, cause Chet's pretty thin. Yeah. Like if you, if you, if you're looking at it, like logically, if the Thunder have aspirations of being championship teams, look at the rest of the NBA. Just look across to the Timberwolves. They have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Pretty big, centers you have Nikola Jokic the biggest and best center that we have and then if you look across the east you have huge centers you have Chris S. Porzingis you have Joel Embiid you know you got all these players so I think they need to bulk up a little bit get another body back there um, even if it's not even like a super big name like even like Daniel Tice 
someone yeah. that can just you can just throw a body at, at a big guy so Chet doesn't have to take the beating. Um, I, like I I agree that I, Kaysan Wallace isn't the best. Uh, like he's a rookie. I mean, it's it's right, hard. Right. They're, they're going to have to get their playoff scars, but I, I do also think that. SGA is an incredible defense, defensive player along with an offensive talent. I think we all know how good he is offensively. Uh, I like to think about him as like a Luca and Ja Morant hybrid, right? Like Luca plays at his own pace and can really shoot from anywhere, but I, but he's also SGA is really, really quick and gets you with his first step. Um, so, and uh, Jalen Williams is playing super well too. I he, he's a beast. Really, he's a beast. He's, his wingspan is like seven two, yeah. and he's like six six. It's insane. Um, he like, he's like Rajon Rondo, but can like shoot and pass and all that stuff. It's they have a really interesting team. I, I want to see what they look like in the in the playoffs because no, just no one knows, right? And if they if they make the second round this year, that's a huge win for them. Yeah, true. I just, I I guess I maybe I'm just I want them to be better than that right now. Like I'm, it, I I think I know what you're you're uh, thinking, like Jack. I think it's because. You know that Sam Presti, their general manager, has this war chest right. of picks, right? And they have all these young young guys, and they easily have enough draft capital and assets on their team to go and make a move and get a guy, right? And I think the thing you got to balance there is: do you want to make the move right now and risk it being a little early in the process, or do you want them to take their lumps individually and then in a couple years you guys will be the prohibitive favorite? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting. To- to think about that's a great point and i don't i don't know if they're at, at the point right now where they can totally contend with the nuggets so yeah yeah i the the name that i've seen a couple times float around is is jeremy grant and i i think that would be a very interesting um like yeah. veteran guy uh three and d like he's he's 22 points almost 22 points a game right now shoots well yeah. from three that's that's they don't shoot a ton of threes this thunder team mm-hmm. um so I don't know, kind of adding a little bit of a veteran there. Uh, yeah, and he's, is, is a, he's a big wing, too. He's, yeah. He brings some size as well. So Yeah, which doesn't interfere with, yeah, like Chet and, and SGA um, kind of yeah. doing their thing. So, yeah. Uh, and then let's let's do a little bit on the Timberwolves, too. Um, what a turnaround from them just from, I don't know, kind of a mess of a, of a couple past couple of years just trying to figure yeah. out who they are. Um like the Gobert trade seemed like just a horrible trade when it happened. Um, yeah. And Kat and Rudy Gobert, which credit big credit to them have, have really figured out a way to play with each other. Um, obviously I think a big part of that is Anthony Edwards just being Anthony Edwards. Um, yeah. But this is, this is really like one of Kat's best seasons. Um, just mm-hmm. from, I mean, he's, he's shooting like 44% from three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Having a, a big man that shoots forty four percent of three from three is is kind of incredible. Yeah, I think you can credit Cat as well, and I think you can credit Rudy Gobert as well for that. Like because be, when you're able to space the floor like Cat is able to do, it also opens up the f- driving lanes for Anthony Edwards. It also yeah. you know gives Rudy Gobert a chance to really box out, get rebounds, and push it the other way. Right? It's the team is set up really well. Um, Jaden McDaniels is an insane wing defender. Their, their team is just orchestrated in a really, really good way. I think um, now we're talking about this after they kind of have been in the news. Right. Um, so we could have, we could have included this in the, the first segment when we were talking about Embiid and Lucas 70 point um, games. When Embiid hit 70, 
Carl Anthony Towns on the same night had 62, but they ended up losing the game. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns actually got benched on the stretch because uh, Chris Finch, their coach, was just appalled at what he was seeing on the floor. And they lost to the Hornets. Um, so it was a pretty embarrassing game. And I think that kind of encapsulates why no one, maybe not no one, why people have distrust with the Timberwolves. Yeah. Um, they're a young team. They're a little bit immature. I think it's fair to say that um, even though Carl Anthony Towns has had a really great season, he also still comes with a little bit of baggage. Like yeah. he also is a yeah. little immature player. Um, he plays a little bit like a, like a young player, even though he's been in the league for eight or nine years. And Anthony Edwards is like a third year player and he is an absolute beast. Um, but he still can sometimes be a shot chucker and come playoff time when you really got to get possessions that really matter, then that, that'll be interesting to see. But I think um, with their coach telling them like to the media, how upset and disappointed he was with them, I think that'll be a good slap in the face and hopefully to get their, their season turned around or maybe not turned around, but mentally their season turned around. Yeah. I, I think he can be, I don't know. I, I, I liked that move too. I liked him um, kind of being like, Hey, we're, yeah, we're having a great, regular season but like we still have to play the brand of basketball that we want to play to yeah. to be totally. successful and i honestly another guy i really like i i love mike conley um like how crazy would that be for him if this is the team that is the one in his long i mean he's 36 yeah like would be so cool for him to have this is the team where he finally gets over the hump and i don't think he's ever played in the finals so no, um, it's he's a perfect compliment to them. Like he help he's he's the presence on the court that is like, all right, guys, let's slow it down. Yeah, Can't, let's not just like sprint to the rim every time. Let's just initiate some offense, get some open looks, and yeah, they're going to be an interesting team. This playoff run is going to be crazy. He's playing really well. He's forty or forty four percent from three too. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Do we want to run through the All Star Game starters? I I really Shane, I really don't care too much about the All Star Game. It, it, I only ha- I have one I ha- I have one thing that I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm really mad uh, that Damian Lillard is starting over Jalen Brunson. Yeah, uh, I think this is a good kind of segue into our next thing. Um, I also I'm a little mad LeBron is starting too. Yeah, I could see that as well. There there were a lot of really good forwards this year. I think Kawhi could have deserved that spot. Um, I think. Yeah, it's really. I think Anthony Davis could have started over LeBron. I think yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I think both of those guys should have should should have been over him. But yeah, um, but I I truly think it's just insane that that Jalen Brunson isn't starting. Like he has played so well all year. Like he's just carrying that that Knicks team. Like he's just been on fire. Not like he had like fifty a couple games ago, and it's just. I don't know, man. I love that that Knicks team. I love the way they play, and Jalen Brunson deserves to be an All Star starter. Yeah, I I totally agree. Brunson has is quickly become one of my favorite players yeah. uh, in the MVP or in the in the league. Um, okay, so you wanted to do this pick three teams, um, one good, one upside, and one bad team. Um, so go ahead and yeah, you want to start us off? Sure. So um, the good team that I picked is the Clippers, um, and I think. They're a really interesting team um, just because they have four of the stars that we were talking about that are in the old era, right? 
they have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Like those are some four huge names. And when this trade for James Harden went through at the beginning of the season, they played pretty poorly the first five, six games. Um, so they couldn't quite figure it out. Um, but James Harden has reinvigorated Ibiza Zubak, their, their center, and has really played super well in the two-man game with him. Kawhi Leonard hasn't lost any like usage. He's still getting the same amount of points and shots um, because he still is the number one guy on that team. I think Paul George has embraced his role and just really wants to win. Is he's getting his twenty a game, but he's not doing it on super high <clears throat> high volume. Like he's doing everything that he needs to win. And I, I think you can credit a lot of this to Ty Lue, their coach. Um, if they can keep this this thing rolling, keep it healthy, and they're going to be a really really tough team to play in the playoffs, just because of their size, their depth too. Like. Terrence Mann has been playing very well for them. Um, they, they have just a lot of good pieces. Um, and, yeah, that they're they're one to watch out for. Yeah, I, I totally agree. They've been a a very just a very interesting team that has, that has played much better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, yeah. I had the Nuggets down. I'm going to switch it to the Boston Celtics. Uh, I felt like we touched a little bit on the Nuggets earlier and, and haven't really talked about the best team. Uh, yeah. in the NBA so far. And I don't know, the Celtics are 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 interesting just when you look at the the past couple of years of this team, obviously like the uh, controversy with uh you know, Ime Odoku um and and now having Missoula there, like kind of a weird thing there. They lose to Golden State 2 years ago in the finals. They lost a series they really really should have won last year to Miami. Like I really thought last year was when Boston was going to get over the hump. And yeah, Tatum was going to take that step and and get the credit. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's so it's been a it's been a a, a disappointing season for them, um, or a disappointing season last year for for them. Excuse me, like just the way that it ended. Um, as you mentioned, they're twenty and one at home. Um, they're they. I don't know. I I just touched on who who was it? Was it the Nuggets? I uh, know it was the Thunder that have their top four guys that have all played 40-plus games. Same thing for, for Boston. Their top four guys in minutes have all played 40-plus games. Yeah. Um, when Tatum, Holiday, Brown, and Derek White are are all playing, they're they're just a very, very tough team to beat. And then add Chris Stops in there, too. They're giving him you know some minutes restrictions and some game restrictions because they want him healthy. Um, yeah. When he is the fourth or fifth option on a team, um, it's really incredible. And I, I, again, I don't watch the Celtics too much. Uh, it was very interesting. I don't know if you wa- listened to Bill Simmons and his dad talk about the Celtics on, on their most recent pod, but mm-hmm. like Bill's dad goes to every Celtics game, has like season tickets, really good seats. And they, they really talked about like the, the bummer of, or the, the, the only like question mark for this team, the, the, the downside really. Cause honestly, like if this team is healthy, like they have the depth too, uh, like yeah. Horford, Hauser, and Pritchard coming off the bench. That's a yeah. perfect eight, right there. Like yeah. they have a just a really really solid team. I think Tatum is a top. I I was just looking Shane where we ranked because um, we we do the end of season player rankings every year. We had him eight. Both of us had him eight last year. That seems really low. Um, like I think he Does could. It? Well, I I just think he I think he has the potential to be a top five player. Yeah, um, totally. And so, like that's that's just what I mean. Like I think he by the end of the season, they go on a finals run 
we could be talking about him as a top five player. And I, I think the 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 biggest question mark of this team is, and this is what they were touching on, is like in the last like four minutes in crunch time, it seems to be a lot of just like Tatum isolation. And they, and that is what I noticed last year when they were playing the heat too. And just in the playoffs, like they are, they, they move the ball around, they drive and cut really well. Like they're really a fun team to watch. Cause it's not, yeah. it's not just like swing it around the three point line. Um, except when they get into crunch time and it seems to be a lot of like, Tatum takes a couple of possessions where he slows it down and then tries to get a shot. And then God forbid you give Jalen Brown the ball. Cause he's going to do the same thing if he doesn't touch it for a couple yeah. possessions. And I don't know, that's just kind of the only thing I worry about for the Celtics, but man, they look really good right now. I agree. Yeah. They look great. Uh, I think just to kind of piggyback off your little, your last point there, like I think that's why they went out and got Kristaps Porzingis. Um, Drew Holiday adds a little bit of the offensive element, but his offensive game has kind of gone downhill this yeah. year. That kind of hasn't been his thing. Um, I think having Chris Dabbs and having Derek White will, will maybe help alleviate some of that strain. But but I but you're right. When it comes down to the stretch, it, when it becomes ISO ball, does Jason Tatum have enough to just make it happen? And that's kind of why I was pushing back on this. Is he a top five player? Because if your team has to go out and, and add all of these offensive weapons to help you get over the hump, you know, it puts a little bit of doubt in my head, but I think Tatum is definitely capable of it. And I just haven't seen it from him yet. Right. right? Like I just need to see it from him and then I'll, I'll believe it. So totally the path uh, is there. Um, totally. But yeah, it, the runway lights are on the guy at the airports doing come this way. Yep. Come this way. Yeah. yeah they're they're going to, they're going to be fine. All right, Shane, your your upside team. This is what I'm excited to, to talk about too. So, yeah, I've I've touched on them a little bit in this pod. Um, the Knicks, the New York Knicks. Um, ever since they traded for OG Ananobi, it just completely made their roster click. Um, now RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly really good players. I, I think they just didn't quite fit super well with the Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle duo because. You know, Jalen Brunson needs the ball in his hands, and so does quickly, and so does RJ to a certain extent. Um, so I think if you swap out those two players for OG and Obi, a player who is an incredibly versatile defensive player, can guard one through five without hesitation, and also can knock down a three-pointer at a really high clip, like almost 40%, like almost 50% in the corners. Like he is a really, really good asset to have. And I think it just melds the identity of the Knicks a little bit to a defensive team that Tibbs really wants to play like. And they also yeah. have uh, Jalen Brunson, like I've mentioned earlier in the pod, is playing offensively amazing. Yeah. And this OG Ananobi trade really unlocks Julius Randle as well. Yeah. Because Julius Randle doesn't have to be the point of attack defender on some of the bigger guys. He also can... Um, have a little bit better driving lanes because OG can space the floor. Um, because Randall's a he's a bully ball, you know, maybe back you down, maybe shoot a little little fade away, get a little hezzy in the in the paint. Like there's there's a lot of upside with this team and they're playing really loose and playing really, really aggressive. I, I, I like how they're playing and I'm a little nervous for, for the East. Like I think they're gonna shock some people in the playoffs. Um and the last thing I guess I'll say about the Knicks is in sports, a lot of the times 
we're seeing this um, a little bit in the NFL. Like the teams that are playing the best come playoff time. It isn't always about how you started the season, but it's a lot of the time how you end. Um, and if the and if the Knicks can really finish this season strong and maintain this this momentum, they can really make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think the last guy that like they 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 still like I I don't know they they've they've just they've figured it out defensively especially I really like DiVincenzo has just been such a good addition to this team as well and like I I love the way that like now you have Josh Hart who's kind of behind in a similar role as Ananobi like exactly doesn't have to do really anything offensively and can can focus on just playing defense like I I love that combo of DiVincenzo and Hart coming off the bench and like they mirror uh Brunson and and, uh Ananobi so well um and then like yeah I don't know you have Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein in the middle um who their roles are very clear like it just seems like this team has very clear roles um like you have you have you know Brunson and Randall are, are over 50 points a game together yeah. Um, it's clear that those guys are your one and two options. Um, Ananobi can score a little bit too. Like, I don't know. I just really like the way this team is structured. They've done a great job building around it. And I think a key, like obviously Brunson, like adding him and his development have been huge because Randall yeah. was never going to be the number one guy no. on a, on a really good team. Um, and it's just like his play style and position and stuff like doesn't, you're not going to find a whole lot of guys who can be a number one on any team. That, right that do that so Brunson has just been huge and uh, yeah Brunson's one of my favorite players to watch and yeah and so I think there's a lot of like hesitation on is, is Brunson good enough is right he this or that and I honestly that doesn't really matter to me at this point because this team I don't think has title I mean they might have title aspirations but I don't think of them as title contender what I want to see from them is I want to see them go in and win a playoff series and just show the world that you know we're the New York Knicks we can we can match up against anybody. Maybe they take the Celtics to game seven or something. Like if they're the fourth or the fifth or the sixth seed, like they're going to have to play one of Boston, Milwaukee or Philly. Yeah. Right. So that's, it's going to be a tough first round series. Um, and they, they have the talent to do it and then they're tough and it's going to be, it's going to be good fun. Did you see them blow out Denver uh, yes. a couple of days ago? That was insane. Yeah. yeah. When, like all of Denver's, I mean Murray, Jokic, Porter, Gordon, and mm-hmm. Casey, like they all played. Um, yeah. yeah, they looked. That was a scare. I mean, I, another guy I really like <laughs> on their bench is uh, Quentin Grimes. Like played for Houston. I remember watching yep. him in college, and I think he dropped twenty in that game too. Like he's just another sneaky guy that they uh, have off the bench as well. They're they're yeah, losing they to the Heat team. right now, but they got a really fun team. Yeah. Um, my ups, one of my upside teams that, that I wanted to talk about, uh, I, I chose Indiana Pacers, um, mostly just to talk about, uh, Tyrese Halberton, um, and Siakam and Siakam. Like that was another move. Super, super glad they made, uh, that move as well. Just made a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Um, bringing a guy with length, um, that can, that can play like Siakam has. He's been on the trade block for like three years too. So yeah. it was finally time for for um someone to to grab him um i i like now like benedict matherin is playing a lot better too where like his his i really liked him coming out of college and then his rookie year was kind of disappointing mm-hmm. um but i think they've kind of found a better role for him too um 
this is a role where I think like Buddy Heald and Obi Toppin play really well in, and it's easy to play around Tyrese Halliburton. Like he's totally. just a super easy um, player to play with. I mean, th- almost 13 assists. Like, what are we doing? Uh, and he's their leading scorer. I think it was much needed for them to go get a guy to help him out in the scoring uh, area. I don't know. I, this team is just really fun to watch. So. Yeah. And getting getting Siakam is so huge for them. And especially, they're likely going to re-sign him, yeah. right? Because his deal expires at the end of the year. But there's no there's no way they trade for him if they didn't like negotiate that a little bit beforehand. Um, another, re- another reason why it's good to get Siakam now is because Indiana is a mid-market team. They're not a huge, huge city. So they're not going to sign free right, agent right. like the Knicks or the Lakers would. Um, so getting them in, in uh, a trade and then being able to re-sign them just gets another cornerstone player. Um, he, he's a top 30 player in the league, top 40 definitely. Um, Siakam's awesome. And one of the things that was highlighted when he was traded is he leads the league in dunks this year. Yeah. and. And the the Raptors led the league in fast break points, and Tyrese Halliburton led the league in fast break assists. So, like, they want to play a similar brand of basketball. And Pascal Siakam fits this team perfectly. He he adds defensive strength. He he can play ISO himself. He can handle the ball, so he can alleviate some of that from Tyrese. Because one of the things about Halliburton is he isn't one of those players that gets his thirteen assists like Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul and Tyrese Halliburton are very vastly different point guards because Tyrese Halliburton will just chuck the ball to you and run off ball, like kind of like Steph a little bit. Like he likes to play off ball, um, but he also brings the ball up and make the right pass and also hit a setback three in your eye. Like they play the right way and they're a really, really fun team to watch. Like I don't know if you've watched or caught a lot of Pacers games. They don't play a lot of defense, but they <laughs> are a fun team to watch. Yeah. They are also obi toppin has been in there so much better like what a yeah. what a great team for him to go to and shoot like he's 40 percent from three now he was never he was like strictly like dunker i'm looking at his yeah. first two years 30 percent from three he's 40 percent from three now like what a yeah. what a turnaround that that that's that's like the tyrese halliburton effect right there like hey man yeah. relax i'll get you the ball knock down the shots yeah and it's also to awesome too because they they have a lot of shooters and he's also getting a lot of easier dunks too yeah like yeah his his entire game is is evolved that that pacers team it's i don't think it's going to be their year to make any noise no. but like they're, they're building in the right direction and and i'm loving what, what i'm seeing from them um the the bad team i want to touch on is the spurs um Wemby does look good that's definitely your bright spot uh yeah. he looks very good um yeah but nine and thirty-six, I think they expected to be a little bit better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think, you know, a lot of it is just like what they've surrounded uh Wembenyama with. I know um Bill Bill Simmons brings this up a lot, but like they do not have a like I mean, Trey Jones is their point guard, and yeah. he's just not a NBA starting point guard. And yeah. I think they're 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 feeling the effects of not surrounding Wemby with um really good distributor. Yeah, no. They, I mean they were playing their power forward, small forward, Jeremy Sohan at the point guard position. Just they were doing it to try to get him more comfortable on the ball. Yeah. And maybe that'll pay off in a couple years when they actually have a point guard and they actually need Sohan to kind of do some stuff as a third option. But like I you're you're you hit the nail on the head, Jack. Like they don't 
have any help for Wemby. Like, Keldon Johnson's a good player, but he doesn't alleviate the ball handling. He doesn't feed Wemby the ball. Like, I don't know what moves the Spurs make. I don't probably don't think they make a move. Like, they probably just no, keep I don't, riding it out, yeah. get more reps, just keep doing their thing. Like, Get a high draft pick, maybe trade the pick because the, the draft sucks. I was going to say the bummer for them is that the draft is just awful. <laughs> yeah, no one knows what the draft's going to be like this year, but it, it's I don't know, man. The the Spurs are a really interesting case. Like, there's no real reason to watch them unless you want to watch Wemby. Like, and even then, like Wemby's not. I don't know. He's not like must see TV at least in my my brain. Like the way he plays and stuff. I don't sure. Know. It's way different than the normal must-see TV. Like, John Morant, obviously, right. must-see TV. Like, he's just going to crack a, just between Anthony the legs. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Anthony Edwards. Yeah, these high-flying guys. Like, it's a little bit different to see what, what Wemby's doing, but he's still prime time to watch. But it's sure. – the Spurs suck, so it's not very good. Team that is worse, um, though. Yeah, team that is worse. Um, four games worse, actually. Um, the worst team of all time in the NBA. Um, the Detroit Pistons. They had the longest 28-game losing streak in all major sports. wasn't just basketball. spanned across hockey and baseball. It's pretty insane to lose 28 straight. Yeah. Um, they hire Monty Williams, pay him like $80 million, one of the highest-paid coaches um, in the league, and they are 5-39. and 39. And 5-40, and 40 actually, now. Oh, 5-40 and 40 they lost this morning? They did. Oh my God. Lost to the Wizards. The Wizards this morning. Yeah, dude, that's so bad. Um, it's it's really really a shame. They when on that losing streak, they were just like heartless. Just had nothing. No, they had nothing going for him. Like Cade Cunningham is he's a pretty solid player. I, I don't think that he is turning into what the Pistons front office wanted him to turn into. Right. I, my only like Cade's obviously their, their best player. I don't think that he's going to be a guy that is no doubt the number one guy on a, on a championship team. Um, and you kind of need one of those guys to drag your team from the bottom, to at least drag them to the middle. Right. And Cade hasn't really drugged them to many wins. Like He was really trying to get them when they were like on their 26th loss in a row, 27th. He put up like a 50 bomb or something like that. He's capable of that, but like... Their rotations have been weird. Like Jaden Ivey hasn't been playing. Yeah, super. Uh, and he was he was good. Like yeah, he was pretty good last year. Yeah, he yeah. really really. And athletic. in college too. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and like they have like five centers on their team. Like they picked yeah. up Wiseman. They flipped Bagley, but like it, it's just a wonky roster. I mean, Jalen Duran's really good, um, but like Killian Hayes. Like, yeah. what are we doing with with these players? Like, what? Why haven't you traded Bogdanovich yet? Like what? What are you doing with him? How, yeah. What good is he doing on your roster? Like, let's get some at least more capital, more. He's asset. taking Ivy's spot. Yeah, seriously. Like, can we get a young player to get more reps while we're getting our butts yeah. kicked? Why? Why? Why are we having a veteran get minutes while we're getting our butts kicked? It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, and I, I do feel like I still think Cade is a good player. Um, yeah, and totally. He was never supposed to, like coming out of college. He was almost supposed to be kind of like that Ben Simmons type of player. There's like a big athletic point guard, like mm-hmm. obviously can shoot and score better than Ben Simmons. Yeah. But, but that like he was not supposed to be like the 25 plus points per game guy. Like that yeah. wasn't. And so, yeah, now having him as the number one guy on a really bad team 
is just not a good recipe. Like he, yeah, that's, hard. that's just not what he wants to do. That's not what he's best at. And yeah, I think they're just in more trouble too. Cause again, this draft is not good. So yeah. they're going to draft another guy. That's probably going to end up being a role player and you add him to a team of, yeah, just, an, that's just not a recipe for success. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. This season has been really interesting so far. We have a really good disbursement of talent across the league. Like there's only a handful of really crappy teams and we both picked the the 15th seed in the East and West just to to chat about them real quick. But like in the middle of of the East, like Miami, Orlando, Indiana, like those are crazy teams. Like in the West, you have the Mavs, you have the Lakers, you have the Pelicans. Like there's a lot of, risky teams that we didn't really mention a lot today um, that are really going to be make it fun for the the down the stretch going into the playoffs, looking at the in-season tournament, looking at all NBA stuff. Um, it's it's going to be a great, great season. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. I agree. Well, um, that's all I got for, for, for today. Um, yep. I think, yeah, we'll probably reconvene after the trade deadline. If there's any big moves made there, yep. um, and and yeah get a little, another little update in and um yeah i'm excited this is kind of when the tides start to change from football to basketball so yeah it's gonna be fun can i can i get a can i get a championship weekend prediction out of you oh yeah for football afc nfc yeah football. i was gonna ask you too that's uh so okay i went let's see on the on the pod yesterday i went i went both favorites um i'm i'm confident in baltimore yeah. Um, and then I, I was going back and forth from Detroit to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I was saying this yesterday, like, I think the play is either Detroit money line or San Francisco by a lot. The points. Like, I even think Cole, Cole even said this yesterday. He's like, I like San Francisco minus 13. Like, I think you either say, I think it's either going to be a blowout by San Francisco or I like Detroit's chances to win. That. That's a fair that's a fair point. Like like I think in the close games, um like I, I think it'll be in, at least for the NFC, I, I think it'll be really interesting if uh the Lions come out and score early. Right. Because then you force Brock Purdy to throw yeah. and you force uh you know, to be, to be a little more pressure on that on that offense. Mm-hmm. Um is has Debo been confirmed? I think he is playing, yeah. And he's they're a much different team when he's playing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, and that's a big factor as well. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun game. I I'm hope really so. Excited yeah. to watch. I, I think I really wish the bills won that. Me that too. Game Me too, week, dude. Man, Me that too. Was, that been sweet. But, um, I, I do think the Ravens have a really good shot. Yeah. Of winning. Um, now the the chiefs defense have been playing really well and it's really hard to bet against the chiefs. Um, but you know, maybe it's the Harbaugh year. Maybe maybe Harbaugh just wins the in college and the NFL. So what, we'll see. What's about your that. picks? Uh, I, I'll take. I'll take. Are we doing money lines or spreads right now? Spreads. I'll, I'll just do spreads. I'll take. Uh, I'll take lines and the points, okay. and I'll take. Uh, shoot, man! What, what, what's the spread on, on the Ravens NFL? are three and a half point favorites. Three and a half. I'll take Chiefs. Ah, okay. Um, my my favorite pick of the week though is the under in the Ravens Chiefs game. Oh yeah, under forty four and a half. I think both teams want to run the ball. Totally. Uh, both teams have good defenses. 
And I, I saw something where it's like 87% of the bets were on the over. And <laughs> anytime you have all the public going that yeah. way, it's going to go under. So that's, that's my favorite play of the week. That's betting 101. I love it. Yes, sir. Well, Jack, it's going to be a fun one. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, catch you on the next Again one. Again soon. Yep. Peace.